It's almost not fair after that time of worship. I got a, I got a hard, a tough act to follow. Uh, Children's Church, you are dismissed at this time. Follow the blue shirts, the blue coats. I also want to echo what's our, the welcome that's already been shared this morning. Um, welcome, uh, New Covenant Fellowship family, and any and the visitors who have graced us with your presence this morning. And and uh, I see Todd over there. Lord bless your brothers. Good to see you and the guys. And um, and those of you watching on our Facebook Live, we just uh, welcome you and bless you in the Lord. Uh, Without further ado, uh, we'll get started in the Word of God. I want to start in the book of James, chapter 1, this morning. Uh, if any of you may recall, we've, uh, we've been in the, the book of Joshua the past uh, a couple weeks or so, and I uh, talked about transition, uh, the transitions in life. And uh, how we can walk through those with God. Uh, the same way that there was transition from Moses to Joshua and transition across the Jordan to begin the process of possessing the land. A transition that the people of God were not ready to engage in the first time God was ready to give them the promised land. But, but they became ready when the call of God was on Joshua to lead them across. And he did... He, had them take some time to memorialize that moment in that time of transition to prove that he would, he's with Joshua like he was with Moses. He parted the river and they walked through on dry ground. He brought them to remembrance of their walk with God from Egypt up to that point. And why did he do that? And I know this is a rehash, but why did he do that? Well, one of the reasons he did it is because they are about to go to a new land. They're about to face new experiences. They're about to face, face new challenges, new difficulties, new trials, new tribulations. And they need, to, they need to put themselves in remembrance of the fact that they've got God present in their lives. And the same God that parted the Red Sea, the same God that delivered them from Pharaoh in Egypt was going to lead them in the promised land and lead them to victory over every foe, over every challenge, over every obstacle that was in that promised land. And he promised them that they would possess the promised land. And he who promised was faithful. So he puts them in remembrance. Because you are in relationship with me, because you are walking in obedience to what I've already promised, to what I've already commanded, to what I've already said to your fathers I would do, this thing is a done deal. So that when you're under live fire and stuff gets real and it gets hard, you've got an anchor to hold on to. You can remind yourself, oh yeah, this is what God was talking about when when he had us take a moment to reflect and remember who it is that fights for us. Who it is that gives us the victory. Who it is that is our God and, and, and how mighty and powerful to save is he. And he has done great things. And we would be foolish to doubt his ability and willingness to do great things for us moving forward. Amen? So I don't know what you're going to face this semester, students. I don't know what you're going to face in this season of your life. But I know you're going to need God. And if you're focusing on pressing into him, if you are aligning yourself with the word of God and God's will for your life then victory is yours you're an overcomer in Christ amen 
And so, uh, I, I, I just felt led to share that. So, James chapter 1. Count it all joy, my brothers. And I know I gave y'all, I split up uh, the uh, James chapter 1, 2 through 8 in two different uh, passages. I'm just going to read them all together. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith. Everybody say faith. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is, dub- he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Man, that's a pretty strong statement in it. Yet it really hones in on the importance of faith. You know, faith is important in every facet of your life. So much of what you're going to be able to either overcome or struggle with is going to be whether or not you settle the issue of who God is and that God is for you and and he rewards those who diligently seek him. The first thing he says here is one that's going to make, it's going to be a struggle for all of us, uh, at the very least most of us. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. That doesn't make a lick of sense to me. Does anybody else, does anybody, does that make sense to anybody? It doesn't make sense when you look at it with, your, with the natural perspective, right? We find joy in things that are rewarding and things that are fulfilling, right? But when you look at it with a kingdom perspective, let's look at closer what he says. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds for, for is because. So he's giving you the why to the statement that he just made, that first part of the clause. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, right? So the trials of life produce something. There's a positive effect. Why does God let us face trials in life? Is it because he's upset with us? It's possible. It's on the board. You know, the You know, God chastens those whom he loves. It could be chastening. But a lot of times, it's just, but a lot of times, it's just God being a faithful father. And Romans 8 tells us that God's will, he's predestined us to be conformed into the image of his son. And we can extend all kinds of prayers to God. The ones that will get answered are the ones that are in sync and in line with the will of God for your life. Because what God wants, even above answering your prayer, is that you be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. There are some things that God has called each of us to. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. So, so there is significance You have significance. You have meaning. You have purpose. You have value. You're not in this world by happenstance. You're here in this world, in this city, in whatever situation you're in, uh, 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 
God has a purpose for you being there. And then it's incumbent upon all of us to press into God and figure out what that is. And you may be praying to God for an end to that situation. or You, you want it to be over. You're counting down the days until you're able to move on and move away from the restrictions or the issues or the challenge or the trial that God has you in. I would caution you not to do that. You would be better served asking God, okay, God, I've been praying. For six months for you to remove this thing. Either God doesn't hear me or I'm not hearing him. Either God doesn't fulfill his promises or there's a deeper work that I'm not seeing here. Maybe God, there's a reason God is not bringing this season of my life to an end. Maybe there's a work he's do, he wants to do in me here. And maybe my focus on wanting it over is causing me to miss the point. It's causing me to miss what God is speaking to me and how he wants to work in me. Why would he let me go through the trial? How is it going to, uh, the test of your faith produces steadfastness? Maybe that's what he wants. Maybe I'm an impatient person. And I'm asking God, and in my prayers, I'm saying, God, uh, it may be the right thing, but it's not enough for me to pray, God, that he does this. God, I'm going to put a timetable on it. God, I want you to do this, and I want you to do it now. It's like, what was that commercial? It's my money, and I want it needed now. You somebody, if you got a settlement, and you agreed to get that settlement and and however many payments, you don't have to, you don't have to accept that. You can get all your money right now. So God, I want this prayer answered and I want it now. How many of you know it's not about what you want when you want it? It's about what God wants to do in your life and his timing in which he wants to do it. And that will include sometimes God allowing us to go through trials. And I'm not, I don't want to discourage you. I want to encourage you. There will be a testimony that comes from the trial. God has given you the victory. You will make it to the other side if you're on God's path for you. You will make it to the other side. But I'm talking about the time that you're going to have to spend with God and allow God to do something in you Be between the start of the trial and the ultimate victory. We got to be sustained there. We got to, we got to know how to conduct ourselves with God there, right? And what our focus needs to be. So, like I said earlier, the children of Israel were not prepared. They were not ready to possess the promised land, even though God was ready for them to possess it. And they had to go into the wilderness. And there were some things that had to die in them in that wilderness. And there are some, you know, and and their relationship with God had to grow. They had to learn how to trust and rely on God. They had to, to, to learn not to be swayed by circumstances, not to walk by sight, but by faith in God. And so after going through that wilderness experience and, and, and learning that, you know what, this God, I guess he wasn't just Moses' God. I guess he's our God too. He sustained us for 40 years in the wilderness. We've been slaves for, for, for all those years. We didn't know how to survive out there in the wilderness. Did you guys ever think about that? We don't know. We, we don't know how to live on the land. We don't know how to kill and eat, hunt, and do all these other things. If we, many of them probably would have died out there if it was not for God. 
So God didn't just take them there. He sustained them there. But there was a spiritual work that was going on. They, they got to know God is their protector. They got to know God is their provider. They got to know God as their defender and protector. They got to see the mighty works of God and his power at work on their behalf. So that when it was time again under Joshua to go and possess the land, the prep work that happened in that wilderness time was effective. They were ready to go and possess it because they knew their God. Amen? And you, in order for you to possess what God has for you, in order for you to fully enter into and walk in what God has gifted you, anointed you, and called you to do, you're going to have to let that process happen in you as well. Right? So, again, let's not be looking at prayer as strictly from the standpoint of communicating to God what we want him to do. We got to see it as a dialogue as we're going to God, not only with our needs, but we're going to God wanting to hear and get direction from him as to how he's working in our lives and what he wants us to do. Not, not what he wants us to do tomorrow, but what he wants us to do right now. God, I want you to meet me right now. What work are you, are you in your divine wisdom seeing needs to be done in me right now? I want to know it so that I can uh, humble myself before you and partner with that work. Because whatever is in me that will hinder me from being ready to possess the land when it's time, I want it to die in me. If you got to take me to the wilderness, take me to the wilderness. I think a lot of times we struggle, uh, and the message title is Unwavering Faith. But I think a lot of times we waver in our faith because because we really don't know God the way we ought to. I'm not saying we're not saved. I'm just saying we're not, we're not, we're not making ourselves available to him like we ought to. We're not, we're not having the quiet time with him. We're not in his word like we ought to. We're not faithful in those things. And so when life comes and shakes us up, we're not well anchored in our relationship with him. And it causes us to, you know, it, start, it causes us to believe stuff that doesn't make much sense. I woke up this morning feeling that God is great. God is awesome. God is, is hearing everything. He's going to bless me. By the time dinner time rolled around, oh, my God, where is God? Where you at? You know, we're on this emotional roller coaster. If we're not rock solid in our faith and belief in who God is and that he's with us, then our emotions will run the show or our reason will run the show. And we'll come up with some of the dumbest explanations of stuff that isn't rooted in faith, but it's, it's, it's rooted in uh, a carnal mindset. Are you hearing me? And so as much as we don't like trials, we don't like tests. Y'all know I'm a big sports guy. And uh, <laughs> uh and I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, one of the uh, coaches on the staff is, is is a member here. Hey, brother. Praise God. Go Pokes. I ain't going to lie to you. My, my uh, we'll say sports. My sports faith was tested in that first quarter. <laughs> no, no more so than y'all, so, uh, you know. But. It, it, the game didn't start well. Some unexpected things. They did some things that would be out of their character. We weren't prepared for some of those things. And next thing you know, this thing can get out of hand. You know, that's how life happens with us sometimes. You have a game plan. You have an expectation of how things are going to work. We feel like we're prepared. We are confident that we're going to get victory. And next thing you know, you're down 14 nothing before you know what happens. 
And then what are you going to do? Are we going to start pointing fingers? Are we going to start getting into our feelings and everybody do their own, their own thing and forget the game plan and so forth and so on? Are we going to find a way to anchor ourselves? Get on course, a course correct, or get ourselves back on the plan of victory. And to their credit, I was so proud of the players even more so the coaches because, man, there, there is so much of challenges that goes inside that locker room and you're having to figure things out that everybody began, they stayed the course, they made the adjustments they needed to make, and when that thing flipped, it flipped. And then in the OSU ends up with the, with the Fiesta Bowl victory, I think the biggest comeback victory, in at least in a bowl game, in OSU history, you know, and and as a and as an alum and a, a former player and a huge fan, I was very proud of that. And I was like, man, there's a lesson to be learned there in life, right? You know, Brittany was talking about as she was ministering during the worship time. She was talking about some of the challenges and things she doesn't, you know, she dreads and doesn't want to face. It's almost as if she's starting the semester down 14-0. But, but as she shared those scriptures that God is ministering to her, and we've had this worship time, now we're beginning the process of course correcting. Now we're, now, now we're minimizing the problem, and we're exalting the Lord, right? And so she's putting her focus on where it needs to be in advance of her having to tackle the challenges of life, right? And so now you don't have to worry about it. Instead of praying that you don't face the trials, we can walk with faith in the trial. If we remind ourselves that, that there is purpose in the trial, there's meaning in the trial. The trial is accomplishing something. It's producing steadfastness or perseverance. And if God feels like you need to go through this so he can produce that, that means whatever he's calling you to in your next assignment or your next phase of life is going to require steadfastness, perseverance. You can't show up for the game. Oklahoma State couldn't just show up for the game having not practiced at all. They go through the drills. They do their workouts. They have their meetings where they look at the scouting report. They do all, they are preparing for the battle ahead. Trials in life, God uses to prepare us for what he's called us to ahead. Does that make sense? And let steadfastness have its full effect. We got to fully embrace that stuff. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God doesn't want you lacking in anything once he has told you it's time to go. You may not know, I know as, uh, at least as Americans, I, I've lived in America my whole life, we want to know the end from the beginning. Only God knows that, you know. It wouldn't be a faith walk if we knew how everything was going to pan out every step of the way. Wouldn't it be boring, like in sports, if everything was already planned out and they had it lined out? This is how th this is how each series is going to go. This is what the score is going to be at the end of each quarter, and the final score is going to be this. Well, what's the point of watching, right? Because the excitement is the unpredictability. The excitement is the journey, the struggle, the trial, the overcoming. You know, the odds, the obstacles that have to be dealt with. You know, so he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. You don't have to know everything. A lot of times, trials are allowed in our lives to, uh, to, to turn us to prayer in God. If we're struggling in the area of prayer and, and quiet time and making ourselves available to God, don't be surprised if you encounter trials that will drive you to do that. Because we, we need to be doing that. It's not because God is mad at us. 
as a faithful father, he's driving us to do the thing that we need to do, but for whatever reason, we've not disciplined ourselves to do it. But when you go to God, make sure you ask in faith. Not out of desperation where you may be praying for the right thing, but it's coming from a heart that desperate, that's desperate and doubting whether or not God either hears you or whether he is going to or wants to answer the prayer that you present to him. That's, that's double-minded, right? A lot of times, deep down in our hearts, we know that when we go to God, we're praying for the right thing, but a lot of times we're not sure. Is God listening? Does he really care? I tell you this, if you ever doubt whether God cares enough to listen to you or hear you or to be moved by what it is you're going through, all you have to do is remember the cross. And that should remove all doubt as to whether he loves you, as to whether he cares, as to whether he uh, hears you and, and, and whether he wants, uh, whether he favors you and, and wants the best for you, right? Because he gave his only begotten son for you so that he might be in relationship with you. Amen? Forever, right? And so we need to settle the issue of whether God loves us and, and, and whether or not he hears us and wants to be intimately involved in every part of our lives. And so, and if we don't come to him in faith, if we come to him doubting, we're like a wave of the sea who's driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. God's will for us is that we be stable. I'm not going to give you 10 parts to this and five steps to that. I'm, I'm speaking to the heart of the issue. I, I trust that the spirit of God would lead you into what you need to begin to do in order to uh, draw near to him and, and learn how uh, you need to be walking with God in a deeper and more intimate way. I uh, alluded to it, and I'm just going to read these verses and not get into, um, but uh, Romans 8, if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, starting at the uh, 26th verse, we'll read through 29. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep. For words. Now, we, we heard up in James, if any man lacks wisdom, let a master of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Well, we have a helper, Holy Spirit, right? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit of God is only going to pray for you according to the will of God. He's not going to intercede for you based on what you want, but for what, but for what God wants in your life. So we need to get ourselves in sync with what God wants for our lives. And you can't do that apart from spending time with God, learning to hear the voice of God, making sure you read and know the word of truth. So that when God speaks it to you, you recognize it. I know God's word. I know his voice. He says, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. Another one they will not follow. Amen? And so we need to get to a point where we know our God. We know his heart. We know his word. We know how he speaks to us and leads us. If we can get certainty there, then we can be stable in our faith. 
then life can throw whatever it throws at us. We're still going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen? Uh, continuing on, verse 28, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. It didn't say all things was going to feel good. It didn't say, it didn't say all things were going to be good to you. All things will work together for the good, right? And, 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 and that good is not determined by you. It's determined by God. Because he knows the plans that he has for you. To prosper you. Plans for, to give you hope in the future. He knows where you're at. And he knows where you need to be in order for you to get where he wants to take you. Amen. And so he's constantly working. Sometimes trials are involved and there's purpose in those trials. I, I, I can I can pretty much guarantee you, Paul and Silas, when they got whipped and sent into prison, I got I, 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 I can guarantee you that was not on their uh, uh, to do list. That was not something they were looking forward to. And uh they weren't excited necessarily having encountered that, right? But it proved, as we read the story, there proved to be some purpose in God allowing that to happen. God didn't, you know, it's not like God made sinful man do what sinful man did. Sinful man did, chose to uh, railroad them and put them in prison and beat them and, and everything, But instead of Paul uh, whining and complaining to God about being mistreated, he was wondering if there was some purpose in it. And just in case there was purpose in it, his sole focus was how to honor God in some way through the experience. And, he's, and, and they began to worship. Prison got shook, prison doors opened. An often overlooked miracle is that the prison doors opened. Only two men of God was in that prison. Everybody else earned their way there. And yet when all those doors opened, not one man left. I don't know how long some of those sentences were. Some of them probably even had death sentences, but... Paul was able to say to the jailer who was about to kill himself, don't do it. Don't harm yourself. We're all here. And in a harsh trial that they had to endure ended up resulting in the jailer and his entire house getting saved. I tell you what, man, uh, as far as the kingdom is concerned, that's a win. And I think we need to, as, as, as many women of God, we need to be careful how we define when. A win is not necessarily getting our way. A win is a win for the kingdom. Is God's will accomplished, right? And so all things work together for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son. Never forget that. That this isn't just, your life can't be looked in a vacuum. You can't be looked at in part, uh, apart from the fact that God has a purpose and plan for you. And he is discipling you. He is, he is dead set on maturing you and preparing you for what he's ultimately called you to. Whether you know what that is yet or not, hey, it's okay if you don't know what it is yet. God knows what it is, and he knows how to prepare you. So just trust the work of God in your life. Allow him to do that work. Uh, everything you're going through, everything uh, that you're having to face and struggle with, God has purpose for you going through it, because, and part of that purpose is he wants Christ more and more developed in you. So that the world he's called you to encounter can see less and less of you 
and more and more of the Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? So, you know, I'm hoping that it helps us see how these trials that we go through, you know, how we should be able to rejoice or have joy in them. Not not because we love to uh, endure struggle and pain and so forth, but for what it is producing in us that is in accordance with the will of God. And um, if y'all will give me about 10 more minutes, we'll wind down. Genesis 45. I just want to cover those first eight verses. It is the culmination of a story that uh, is one of my favorite in the Bible. Uh, show of hands for everybody who's heard about Joseph in the Old Testament, Joseph and his dream. And I've, I've had this conversation quite a bit over the last two or three weeks with various people. He's a young man, a favorite son. Born of the woman that his father loved. His father had two wives. I wouldn't advise that. Because his father-in-law fooled him into marrying the older uh, daughter whom he wasn't in love with. It's a custom thing. I'm, I'm not going to judge him. He worked seven years expecting to be rewarded with the love of his life. Now, daddy was a trickster, but he got played. He was on the other side of that, right? But uh, there were some family dynamics at play where there was extreme sibling rivalry and judgment within the family because, you know, uh, obviously, he loved Joseph's mother, and so he loved the children. He had high regard for the children that were born out of that marriage. The other uh, wife had 10 children, and he loved all of his children. I, I know he did, but he didn't love their mother like he loved Joseph's mom. And so, Joseph has a dream one day, and in that dream, it looks as though his family is going to be bowing to him someday, and that was the last straw for his brothers. His brothers put him in a pit. They contemplated killing him. He ends up getting sold to a slave caravan. He becomes property. So he goes from favorite son to just property. And he gets sold to Potiphar as a slave. Now I want you to, I mean, people have committed suicide for less. He was cherished. He was loved. Beloved. And he shared a dream. And he went from being cherished son to slave. And not only that, he ended up going from slave to prisoner. And that happened because he honored God. His slave master, Potiphar's wife, wanted to be with him sexually. And he would not sin against God that way. Nor would he sin against her husband. And she lied and said he tried to rape her. He ends up in prison. Now, the thing that inspires me about Joseph is, and maybe you can relate to this, and I hope it's speaking to someone today, because Joseph was given a dream. The end result was for him to be elevated in a position of status 
that would lead to his brothers bowing to him. God gave him that dream. That's what's going to be the result. And yet, what happens in the aftermath? He's about to be killed. Man, doesn't look like he's on the road to achieving that victory. Then he gets sold into slavery. Seems like he is on the path. Whatever path is going to lead to the fulfillment of that dream, it seems like he's on the opposite path. Then he goes from slave to prisoner. And then he's in the prison. Now, all this time, how much brokenness, how much betrayal, how much hurt must he have been struggling with? I don't don't think we can appreciate uh, as we read through those chapters, I don't think we can appreciate all the years it took from him the day, from when he was sold as a youngster in slavery to, to the time that God elevated him to the fulfillment of that dream. Man, he was a married man with children by the time he ever saw his brothers again. But I want you to think about how did he do How is it that he's sold into slavery through no fault of his own, and yet he is so in sync with God, he is so humble before God, and and he's still serving God in such a way that his slave master is blessed uh, in all of his affairs because of his influence, because of Joseph's influence. How could the same thing happen in the prison? You would think he'd be jaded. You'd think that he thought he was done with God because obviously God was done with him. But uh, how did he do it every year, 365 days a year, keep his heart soft toward God and open and keep honoring God to such a degree that when a man's wife accused the slave of trying to rape her, this man's walk with God was so respected by his slave owner that when, they, that when Joseph said he swore by his God he didn't do it, that man knew his wife was lying. What man? I'm telling you, dude, if my wife accuses you of something, you tell me she's lying, it ain't going to go well with you. Uh, God, God's going to have to do a work in here, right? If, if it's you or my wife, you're going to lose. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. So, but this man knew. And although his wife wanted him dead, it was God's mercy, God's provision that this man, knowing his, knowing his faith with God, knowing he wouldn't even swear to his God to save his own life, he put him in prison instead of killing him. Where he ended up interpreting the dreams of the baker and the cupbearer of Pharaoh, he interpreted them rightly. The cupbearer ends up getting back in his position. He told him, don't forget him, but he forgot him. And I'd be like, great. I am, I marvel, not at, not just at what God did in Joseph's life, but I marvel at, uh, I wish there was more detail that I could learn from him, all right? How he processed through that, how he could walk with God through all of that as God was positioning him to where he needed to be, when he needed to be there to elevate him to the fulfillment of that dream. Because if he just looked at the circumstances, it looked like that dream was a joke. It it, it looks like he's not on his way to fulfilling that dream. And either he missed it and he misinterpreted the dream or he didn't get that dream from God or, 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 or God is not who God claims to be. And yet, Every day, 
Whatever his emotional deal was, he worked through it, and he continued to walk with God despite the circumstances. They got worse and worse and worse. Well, those of y'all, y'all know the story. Um, he interpreted, he didn't just interpret Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh was tired of God telling them what they he wanted, what they what he wanted them to uh, telling him what they thought he wanted to hear. So he said, I'm done with this. I want you to tell me what I dreamed. Then give me the interpretation of it. And they're like, no man can do this. And at that point, the cupbearer said, oh, there's this guy I did time with. Maybe he can do for you what he did for me. And and really what I want, <clears throat> I, I said all that. It probably was a little bit unnecessary, but this this culmination gets to what I'm talking about as far as unwavering faith. I brought all that up is to point out the fact that Joseph's faith did not waver. Despite the fact that he his life was on the line, his brothers really considered killing him. And I think it was a provision of God that that caravan came along when it did and provided an alternative for one of them to say, hey, maybe we ought to go that route. But his faith didn't waver when he was in the caravan. And when the caravan made it to Egypt and he was sold as a slave, like mere property, like an animal, his faith didn't waver. We can see how the favor of God was on him and on the house of Potiphar while he worked for him. He modeled his faith before Potiphar in such a way that even though Potiphar didn't share his faith, he respected him. He respected his faith. He respected the sincere walk that he had with his God to the point that he knew he would do nothing to disobey or offend that God. And he would die before he did so. His faith didn't waver. Even when Potiphar's wife lied on him and he was in prison, his faith didn't waver. He became the head trustee, basically. And he still ministered to these two men that came. I wouldn't have wanted to be the baker in that situation, but it didn't go so well for him. But God was still using him. His faith didn't waver. And that unwavering faith just went with the flow whenever God, whatever circumstances God allowed him to encounter. He didn't misinterpret the situation. It's like, if God lets me go through it, there's got to be meaning in it. I don't understand the meaning yet, but I, but I know my God is faithful. I can trust him. And at some point, the meaning will make itself clear, right? And, and when, <clears throat> and you know, I don't, I, I'm not sure when that meaning became clear to him. It probably still wasn't clear to him when he was uh, interpreting the dreams of the baker and the cupbearer in the uh, prison. But he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh elevated him to second in command. And he ends up positioned where the dream said he was going to be at the very beginning. God didn't give him the detailed route of how he was going to get there. He showed him the end. He had to walk out everything. He had to swallow some very difficult circumstances but he never wavered from what God showed him. You know, and we're just going to have to be at that point to where we got issues, the issues settled with us in God. That God, I don't need you to give me good circumstances in order for my faith to be strong. I'm believing you for what you've told me, what you promised, what you have before me. You're faithful, and, and I'm, I'm believing that you're going to get me there. I don't know what I'm going to have to walk through to get there, but whatever it is, I'm willing to do it. And, Lord, just do a work in me. We need to be praying. Do a work in me. Help me so that during trying times, my faith doesn't waver. In this beautiful uh, uh, story here at the end, in, in 45 verses 1 through 8, I'll read through it. It's him and this encounter with his brothers when he has full understanding of not only what he's gone through, but why he's gone through it and um, the benefit to others that it produced. Then Joseph 
could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from here. We're about to lose it. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it. They're not in the room, but they could hear him wailing from outside that room. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. It's been so many years, they don't even, he's grown up. They don't, they, they don't recognize him while they're in the presence with him right now. That's how long it's been. I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? He doesn't even know. But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, he could say that with some extra salt, but, 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 but he's not. I, I'm your brother whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves. Look at that. Don't, don't be upset or stressed or angry with yourself. He's not angry with him anymore. There was a time when he was. But don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. And we see there's purpose in everything that he went through. There's chapters of all the challenges that he faced. But all of that, somehow, while God didn't put all that on him, even though evil man was doing things that affected Joseph, God kept working it out for his good. And he somehow was, despite the changing circumstances, was repositioning him each time because he needed him to be in a certain place at a certain time so that when it was time, God would elevate him to do what that dream that he gave him represented from the very beginning. He didn't know fully what that dream represent. Why, you know, um, he didn't know what it re would represent. But he says, don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. God may put you through something that may be a hardship for you, but the purpose of it would lead to the preservation of someone else's life. Are we willing to go there with God and for God? The one who, for the one who went to the cross for us. And that's a question you're going to have to answer from the depths of your heart. My prayer is that each and every one of us would say yes. But if that's not where you're at, be honest with God about it. But I believe there should be an inward desire for you to get to that point. Where my life is no longer mine. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. My life does not belong to me, but it belongs to the one who died for me and gave himself for me. And so he saw the purpose in everything that he did. God didn't give him the purpose of it midway through it. He got the purpose of it toward the end. And maybe some of you are going through serious hardships and you don't see the purpose in it. I encourage you to trust God in it like Joseph did. The purpose may be revealed to you in due time. But I would say your attitude should be if the purpose is never revealed to me. Maybe the purpose in this that I'm going through Maybe the purpose is nothing more than Christ being formed in me in a, certain, in a certain character trait. Maybe me learning to wait on the Lord was the purpose of it. Maybe driving me to uh, diligent and dutiful uh, 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 quiet time and consistent, uh, consistent quiet time with the Lord was the purpose of it. Maybe driving me to get into his word What's the purpose of it? Whatever the purpose of, it'll be revealed in due time. You just need to be, that, that's where your focus needs to be. Okay, God, I know there's divine purpose in this, and I don't want to miss it. So, Lord, I'm going to press into you because I want to know your divine purpose because I want to be in obedience to you. Um, 
my my prayer is not an end to this. My prayer is a fulfillment of your will in me. And so I, I know I can get wordy and I appreciate y'all's patience, but he said, for God sent me before you to preserve life for the famine has been in the land these two years and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a, to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. Wow. So it wasn't really you who sent me here. God did it. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Look what God has done. Yeah, y'all did what you did, but it really wasn't you. All of this was part of God's plan. God, because God needed me to be positioned at a certain place at a certain time so he could then use me to save many lives and to preserve a remnant, the people of God. And so I will conclude and I'll ask you to stand. I will conclude in Hebrews 10, 23. Therefore, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Say it with me. He who promised, he promised. is faithful. faithful. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you that you are faithful to fulfill your promises to us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that even in trying circumstances, your promises are still yes and amen. I thank you, Father God, that even in the, despite the challenges of life, Father, you are there with us and you're going to see us through. And Lord, I pray that whatever hardships and whatever challenges that any of us present or listening online uh, may be going through, Lord, I pray that we see the purpose of it in it, Lord. And, and until we see the purpose of it, you know, I, I don't want us to rely on seeing the purpose in it. Because Joseph didn't see the purpose in what was going on until the very end. But still, he relied, he trusted in you. He relied on your faithfulness. He knew you were a good God. And that you were at work in his life. And I pray, Father God, that everyone here who's going through, even if they don't know the purpose in it yet, that they can reach, that they reach that same conclusion that they can trust in you. That you are at work and active in their lives. And that there is purpose in what they're going through. Even if they don't yet see the purpose, there is purpose in it. Whatever you're going to work with them through it, let it be so, God. May we all humble ourselves before you, God. And allow the trial to produce in us what you and your divine will know we need. The victory is coming, Lord. They're, you know, they, they, they may be, they may feel like slaves right now. They may feel like prisoners right now. But, but once you have done in them what you've purposed to do in them, and the timing is right, you will elevate them. And you will give them the fulfillment of that which you've promised. When they're ready, nothing can stop it. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that everyone is encouraged by that, Lord, that uh, no matter where they are in life, that they are encouraged and strengthened in their faith, Lord, uh, that where, it, where there is wavering. Let no one leave here today without having a plan in their mind or a, a determination within their hearts that they are going to uh, be unwavering in their faith toward God. And, and they're going to allow the trials or whatever struggles that they're going through, they're going to see it from a kingdom perspective so that 
your working in them can produce the fruit that you desire it to produce in our lives, Father God. I thank you for it and give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you. Love you guys. And Lord bless you as you go. Hey, church body. Hey, guys, as you're going, I wanted to, I meant to remind you all earlier, we've got a Teen Challenge graduation going on tonight. Uh, you're all welcome to come to it. What, what time is the graduation? Hey, what time's the graduation? Six o'clock over at Teen Challenge. You're welcome to come to it. We've got two great guys graduate, and we look forward to seeing you there.